The following shiur is presented by Dayan Shlomo Cohen, Dayan in Beddin Ahavat Shalom in Yerushalayim, an author of Pure Money. For more shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Hello, everybody. In Parshat Shoftim, we find the commandment from Hashem, Tamim to you in Hashem Elokecha. That means that we should be going simply and purely with Hashem. What is this mitzvah of going simply and purely with Hashem? That we shouldn't be looking for all sorts of ways to heal ourselves with magic or looking into the future and to seeing what's going to be happening to us. We should be going purely with Hashem, just trusting in Hashem that whatever He sends us, whatever He gives us is for our best, for the best. And of course we must pray to Hashem that He's going to look after us always and not we're not going to, no harm is going to befall us. But not to turn to fortune tellers, not to turn to witches, sorcerers, magicians, that they should be helping us and looking after us or healing us in any way. That's what's included in this mitzvah of tamim to you in Hashem Elokecha. The first thing we need to understand is is any of this true? Does it, is there actually such a thing as a way of changing nature? Is, are these witches and sorcerers actually doing something? Or is it all just that they're fooling us? The Torah tells us that we shouldn't be going to magicians, we shouldn't be going to witches and sorcerers and asking their advice. We shouldn't be looking into the future. We shouldn't be asking gypsies to read their tea leaves and look into their crystal balls and tell us what's going to be happening to us in the future and how to make our decisions and what to do. The first thing, though, that we need to understand is do these people actually have any power? Or is it just all a joke? So really, there's a big discussion here between the Rambam and the Ramban. The opinion of the Rambam is that there is no such thing. All these things, tea leaves, uh, crystal balls, astrology, telling the future, all these things are just things that the idol worshippers invented and made up, and they don't really work anyway. They're just fooling us. That's the opinion of the Rambam. The Ramban has a different opinion. The Ramban says, no, that there are such things. There are people that know how to change nature. There are witches and sorcerers that know how to do all sorts of things, whether it's to damage somebody, God forbid, or to heal somebody, or to change the future. There are such powers. But we, the Jews, are commanded not to get involved in those things. To trust in Hashem. 
It's not that there aren't. It's not that it doesn't work. We, the Jews, are above that. It says, Ein Mazali Israel. We, the Jews, are not ruled by these things. We are above that. By praying to Hashem, even if something was supposed to happen, by praying to Hashem, we can stop that. We don't need to go to these witch, witches and sorcerers to help us. And as far as what's going to happen in the future, we should be trusting in Hashem that whatever happens is going to be for our good. That's the Jewish way to approach these things. But nevertheless, we need to go into, in much more detail, the different types of sugulot, the different types of ways that people might try and tell the future, and to see what is in them. But as I said, the first thing we need to start with is this um, really foundational discussion between the Rambam and the Ramban as to whether there is such a thing in the world, right? That the opinion of the Ramban is that there is. That there is, but our people who have this power to change nature. But we as Jews should not be getting involved in that. And so we need to know, are there things that we can do or are there things that we can't do? The magician that's mentioned in the Pasuk, that's when we took a kosem. A kosem, in modern Hebrew, we call it today a magician. But really, it's a fortune teller. It's one of these gypsies that'll tell you what's going to happen to you in the future. These are the people that we're told that we should not be speaking to. But then there's another type of magician. The type of magician that we all know from parties. That will do all sorts of tricks. Whether it's pulling a rabbit out of a hat, or making somebody disappear, or sawing a lady in half, right? All these things, we all know that these are just sleight of hand. That we're being tricked. When we see these magicians, everybody today understands that it's just a trick. We don't know how they do it, but we all understand that it's a trick. Even young children today understand that it's a trick somehow. We just don't know how did you do that? How did they do it? Is that forbidden? Some rabbis, some poskim say yes, that even things that are being done by sleight of hand and not by real magic, even things that are being done by sleight of hand, we shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be seeing, because it may cause some people to think that these things are actually some type of people with supernatural powers. But Rabbi Sternbach writes in his book, he says it in the name of the Chazanish, that today, where everybody knows that this is just sleight of hand, this isn't real magic, so there's no problem. And you'll be able to look and watch and see these things, and that isn't included in the prohibition of speaking with magicians. Magicians are fortune tellers. That's a problem, to go to a fortune teller and to make decisions by what they say and to rely on what they're telling you. What about astrology? Is astrology a real thing or not? 
As I mentioned before, the Rambam, his opinion is that it's just something that the idol worshippers made up in the past and it doesn't work. We're being tricked. The Ramban here too, though, says that no, the way that HaKadosh Baruch who runs the world, the way that nature, in inverted commas, works, is according to the stars. And someone who really understands this knowledge of astrology would be able to tell somebody what's going to be with them, what's going to happen to them. But as I said, Ein Mazali Israel, the Jewish people are above that by being close to Hashem, we can change everything. And that's what it means by being tamim with Hashem. Tamim to you, Hashem Elokecha, that we won't be relying on those things. And we won't be looking into the stars to see what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Whether we should do this, make this business decision or not make this business decision. That we shouldn't be looking into the stars and speaking to astrologers to know whether to do those things or not. And nevertheless, if we know, if we hear from somebody that knows and understands this, this, this type of wisdom, if we hear from them that there's something might happen, we should be careful, says the Shulchan Aruch. Even though we're not supposed to go and ask and find out about these things. But if we've heard that there is a bad time for us, or is a time that we should be doing something, we should be careful about that and not just dismiss it as being nothing. And in fact, that's what we do during the time of the three weeks. It says that from Rosh Chodesh Av especially, you shouldn't be walking outside at night. You shouldn't be doing dangerous things because it's a dangerous time. How can we have a dangerous time? What does it mean that it's a dangerous time? Tamim to you, Hashem Elokecha. I can go for a walk at night, just like I go for a walk at night today. I can go for a walk at night during the three weeks. Just as I can go rock climbing during the rest of the year, I can go rock climbing during the three weeks. Tamim to you, Hashem Elokecha. It would seem that there's a contradiction here. But no, there isn't. Because seeing as, this is what, exactly what uh, the Shulchan Aruch is telling us, that seeing as we know that there is such a thing that this time of the year is in some way bad luck, in inverted commas, for the Jewish people. So we need to put our heads down. Don't go to court with a non-Jew. Don't fix um, a, a, a difficult operation that's not urgent during this time. Keep safe, because we have heard, we have seen that this time of the three weeks between the 17th of Tammuz and the, and the ninth of Av is at that time that a lot of tragedies have befallen the Jewish people. Okay, so we do need to take some care about this. But we shouldn't be running after it and allowing it to lead our lives. What about signs? There are a lot of signs around. Right, in, in, in England, you're not supposed to walk under a ladder. Brings you bad luck. If a black cat crosses your path, that's bad luck. If people see black cats, they'll run around and go round the block so that the, the cat won't cross their path. For us to pay attention to those things is forbidden. That's part of Tamim Tum Hashem Elokecha. We're not allowed to follow these signs, which are all things that we've inherited from the non-Jews. 
What about goralot, lotteries? In actual fact, we see in Parshat Pinchas that Eretz Yisrael was being divided up with a lottery. There are plenty of cases and stories of lotteries in, in Judaism. Rashi says, the Gemara and Baba Batra explains that the goral that we did to divide up the land of Israel was actually done completely with Ruach HaKodesh. It was the word of Hashem. It wasn't a normal lottery. What they were doing was, the Eliezer, the son of uh, Aaron, was there with the breastplate of the Kohen Agadol, with the Urim and the Tumim, which would tell out, spell out answers to questions. And the Urim and the Tumim were saying, were giving, were giving over with Ruach HaKodesh, which tribe was going to get which part of the land of Israel. And afterwards, they put the names into a hat and pulled out the names of tribes and different pieces of land. And it all exactly confirmed exactly what the Urim and the Tumim had said. Rashi says that even the Goral used to speak. It was a special type of lottery and it was completely the word of Hashem. And it wasn't anything to do with luck and who comes out of the hat. Okay? So that's that type of goal. We find another type of lottery that was done with Yonah. When Yonah, remember the case of Yonah who was trying to run away from the job that Hashem had given him to go to Nineveh and warn the people there. And he was on a ship and the ship, there was a sea, there was a storm, a terrible storm at sea. And the fishermen did a lottery to see who's the person that because of them, there's this storm and they're almost dying. And it came out that Yonah was the one. So are you allowed to do a lottery like that to find out who's guilty? If there's a theft somewhere, well, let's so we put everyone's name in a hat. And whoever's name comes out is the thief and we'll send them to jail for the rest of their lives. We're not allowed to do things like that. And you can't bring any proof from the book of Yonah because it was non-Jews that did that. Okay, we see that what came out was right in some way. But non-Jews did that type of uh, lottery and that's not nothing to do with us. The type of lottery that we find that is allowed is a lottery to divide up property, for example. We find that in Jewish law, in monetary law, there are a number of places where, where either it's um, uh, heirs to an estate, when they're trying to divide things up between them, that they might decide, and it's a mutual agreement here, that we'll do a lottery to see who gets this house and who gets that house, who gets the northern side of the field and who, field, and who gets the southern side of the field. That we find... In many places, and that is perfectly okay. Perfectly okay where the parts are equal. Not where someone's going to get more than the other. Then it would only, if there was mutual consent, would you be able to do such a thing. Another type of a, of a, of a goral that would be to know the future. That also is forbidden to us for us to do a goral, a lottery, to know what's going to happen in the future. But despite that, there is a type of a lottery that we're told is allowed. And that is to open a Chumash, or to open a Tanakh, to get an answer to a question that you may have. That we're told is asking the Torah. That's something that we're allowed to do. To open a Tanakh, or a Chumash, and look at which Pasuk comes out on the top right-hand side, 
And that is in some way a message. A person is allowed to do that. The problem with doing that is twofold. First of all, who says you're on the level that you're going to get an answer from Hashem? Many great rabbis or our sages say that today, no, we're not on that level that we can get an answer. The second thing is maybe if we do get an answer, who says we understand the answer? The, under, the answer is a pasuk. Who says that we can understand the relevance of that pasuk to our question as to know whether you can rely on that answer or not? Another thing is, like I said, you have to be on the level. I remember my, uh, one of my Rosh Yeshivot used to say, that if someone was to sit down and be involved in holiness, in learning Torah, for example, or saying to Hilim, for three hours straight, then you're at the level that you could open a chumash and get the answer to a question. But if you're not, then you can't. But anyway, like I said, it's something that needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. You need to be careful because to know exactly how to interpret it is very, very difficult. Another type of a goral that people used to do, I was, I've got a funny story about a goral, maybe I'll leave it until the end. Let's go on. What about amulets? Are amulets allowed? What are amulets? Amulets, they call them kmeot, that great rabbis have written some of these things that people wear around their, we- their necks as protection. Are you allowed to do that? Shulchan Aruch says you are allowed to do that as protection but you're not allowed to do it for healing. If someone is ill, you wouldn't be allowed to put on a type of a cameo, an amulet, in order to heal yourself. What you are allowed to do is to wear a cameo, to wear an amulet as protection. Having said that, a lot of these amulets can be a bit of a problem. And I remember a story, a bit of a terrifying story of that. Someone who went to a great Kabbalist, they were suffering from terrible dreams, horrifying dreams. And it turned out they'd been wearing an amulet all the time, and this great Kabbalist pulled off the amulet and threw it down the bathroom. And then the dream stopped. Then the person managed to sleep and have be okay. So you need to be careful who wrote the amulet, what's written in there. right? If it doesn't come from tzaddikim and big rabbis, then it's not something that you should get involved in. Speaking to the dead. Can you speak to the dead? Some people say you can. But who are you going to be talking to? That's the question. The Arizal says, yeah, you can speak to the dead, but who are you talking to? You're not talking to Tzadikim. The Tzadikim are all in heaven having a great time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're not going to be coming down here and talking to you. The only people you're talking to, says the Arizal, is much lower level spirits who may not be telling you the truth. They may be lying to you. They may not be interested in your best interests. They maybe want to have some fun and see you run around and do all sorts of things when you don't really need to do it. And so you shouldn't rely on those things. People who are talking to spirits, I'm sure there are tzaddikim, perfectly righteous and pure people that they have connections like that and they know what they're talking about. But you need to be careful. Who says that the messages that they're getting are actually the right thing 
for you to be doing. As we heard in the name of the Arizal, the Tzadikim are in heaven having a great time. They don't have time to come down here and start discussing all sorts of things with us. And Tamim to you, Moshe Melokecha. Nevertheless, we do find actually stories amongst our tzaddikim of, of uh, people that would reveal themselves to them. And where it happened with tzaddikim, then I think we can say, yeah, fine, that happened maybe. But if it happens to us, simple people, we need to be a bit careful that maybe it's not actually true. There's this great famous thing called the Sefer HaYetzirah, the Book of Creation which was supposed to have been written by Adam Arishon. Some people claim to have it and claim to be able to understand it. They say that the Maharal of Prague used it to create the golem, the famous golem of Prague. A golem was created from the ground out of nothing, out of the dirt. Uh, a creation that wasn't actually human, that would go around and protect the Jewish people in the Jewish quarter of Prague at a time when there were tremendous blood libels and tremendous tragedies befalling the Jewish people. Are you allowed to do that? If you know what you're doing, you're allowed to do that. The problem is none of us know what we're doing and none of us know how to do those things. You have to be on the level of the Maralmi Prague to be able to get involved in those things. But nevertheless, it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch says that to uh, use the Sefer Mesirah, Sefer Yitzirah, the Book of Creation, is something that's allowed. Another sign that we find that's interesting is, if you remember the story with Eliezer, the slave of Avram Avinu, who went to look for a son, sorry, for a wife, for Yitzchak, Avram Avinu's son. He went with a sign. He said, whoever comes to the well and waters my, my camels and me, they will be the person that is a bride for Yitzchak. Are we allowed to make signs like that? Whoever comes around the corner first, I'm going to marry. Whoever, 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 whoever come, drives past in a, in, a, in a pink Rolls Royce, that's a sign that he's supposed to be my future husband. Are we allowed to do things like that today? There's actually a discussion about that. There are two opinions in there are more in Yeridea, some say that we are allowed to do like what Eliezer did, to make a sign for something to happen. Others say we're not allowed to do it. What Eliezer did was because he, Eliezer wasn't Jewish. He was allowed, therefore he, that's why he did what he did. And others say that really all he did was look for signs of someone who was a caring person and who would do chesed and help other people. And that's certainly allowed. Um... But to do, to say, like I said, whoever comes around the corner first, I'm going to marry, that we're not allowed to do. And the Ramor finishes off when he mentions this halacha, tamim to you, Hashem elokecha, let's go purely with Hashem. Asking a question in a dream, she'elat shalom, are we allowed to do those things today? The Rav Palim, the Benish Chai, writes about this, and he says that today, we're not on that level. We're not on that spiritual level that we can do such a thing, ask 
to be revealed something in a dream. And anyway, today we know most of our dreams, unfortunately, are full of rubbish. They're not necessarily true. They may have parts of a type of prophecy in them, but it's all mixed up with things that we can't rely on. So you can't rely on a dream today for anything. It's interesting. There's a halakha in the Shulchan Aruch. Discusses a case where someone deposited a large um, case full of money and diamonds and valuable things with a friend. The friend buried it to look after it properly. That's the good way to look after it in those days. right? He buried it somewhere in his property. Uh, but he passed away. The guy died and no one knew where it was. And his children didn't even know that this guy had given him to look after something. So when this guy came to the children and he said, look, I gave your father a large case full of a lot of money to look after for me. I want it back. Do you know where it is? And they said, not only do we not know where it is, we never heard this story that you gave him. And if we were to find a box of jewelry, we'll take it. Because who says it? That, who says that it's yours? What happened was they had a dream. These children had a dream that they dreamt that their father came to them in a dream, and he said, "The box. This guy's telling the truth. He did give me a large box to look after, and I buried it in a particular place." And he explained to them where he buried it. The next morning they went to the place that their father had explained in the dream. And they dug and they found it. The question now is, do they have an obligation to give it back to this guy that claims it's his? In the dream they were told that it was his. In the dream, the dream came true. The dream told them exactly where the property was buried. Nevertheless, the halacha is you don't have to give it back to them. Why? You see the dream was true. Ah, yeah, maybe that part was true. But who says it was true when it said that it belonged to this guy? It could be that all the rest of the dream was true, but that part saying that it belonged to this person wasn't true. And that's why you can't rely on a dream like that. That's why you can't rely on a dream. A dream is not 100%. And there's no obligation in such a case to follow the dream and give that property back to this guy that's claiming ownership. What about palm reading? Or face reading. We're told, it's mentioned in our sages, that this is a true chokhmah. This is a true wisdom. It's something that actually, yeah, that was passed down from generation to generation, exactly how to do this and how to tell from the lines on people's hands and the way their faces are, all sorts of things about them. They say about the Arizal that he could look at someone and know exactly what this person was supposed to do in his lifetime what he'd been sent down to this earth to fix. But today, and it's interesting, an interesting fact is, everyone knows the famous student of the Arizal was the Marchu. And it says that the Arizal didn't want to, the Marchu asked the Arizal, the Arizal was explaining all his secrets over to the Marchu, the Marchu was the person who wrote the famous book Eitz Chaim. And he asked the Arizal to teach him about how to read heart, read palms. And the Arizal didn't want to do it. And he said, what do you need it for? You've got everything else. You've got all, I've, taught, I've taught you all the Kabbalah. You can know everything you need to know. You don't need that. Whether he did teach him in the end or not, I don't know. 
but that's the famous story that they say. Um, so this is, uh, but this, so this is certainly a true chokhmah. It's certainly a true thing. The question is, do the people today have that actual chokhmah in exactly the way that it was? And anyway, even if your palm says that something's going to happen to you, or you're going to leave, do this, or you're going to do that, we can always change the future. That's what we say. Ein mazali Israel. The Jewish people are above all that. Okay? So, um, even if you talk to someone who does know how to read your palm, you can't rely on what they're saying, that it's the truth. Maybe they don't have the cor- correct tradition. And even if they do, you can change things by praying to Hashem. Tamim to you, im Hashem elokecha. The last thing I want to mention is Kabbalah Masit. Kabbalah Masit is um, using the Kabbalah to do things, to change nature. Is that allowed? Today, nobody does that. It's something that is involved. First of all, you have to be a complete Sadiq to be able to do that. And no one today is on that level. And so we don't get involved in these things at all. No one today does these things. Maybe if they are doing it, who knows what powers they're using to do it. Is it good powers or bad powers? Maybe they don't even know what they're doing. Um, and so no one gets involved in that today. It says that anyone that does, if they're not a complete tzaddik, then it can boomerang back on them and cause them damage. And... We don't get involved in those things today. So, let's try and summarize what we've said. We've been through all sorts of different types of things and we've explained what the Shulchan Aruch says about what types of things are allowed and what types of things are not allowed. But really, the, the, the final story here is Tamim to you in Hashem Elokecha that we should be as Jews trusting in Hashem that only He is in charge of us and is in charge of our lives and anything that happens to us, anything that comes upon us in the future is all from Hashem and anything can be changed. By praying to Hashem, we can change anything. We don't need intermediaries. We don't need to go to people's graves. We can play, we have got the power to pray straight to Hashem and to trust in Hashem that He is going to answer all our prayers. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of Halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a Halakha consultation, monetary Beddin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at org to subscribe.